Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's important announcement. We know that affordability is the primary challenge facing many Albertans. Record inflation and the heightened cost of living that comes with it has been particularly hard on our low-income families, seniors, and recipients of core support programs, including AISH and income support. Several weeks ago, during one of my first meetings with Premier Smith, we discussed the extreme hardship families, seniors, and vulnerable Albertans were sharing as she traveled across the province. She shared with me the difficult decisions Albertans were making to make ends meet and her desire to provide immediate inflation relief, including targeted supports to our most vulnerable, as we work towards long-term affordability for all. We're here today to do just that, to announce an important piece of our affordability action plan. So please join me in welcoming Premier Danielle Smith. Well, thanks, Minister Jones. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I have three of my ministers here today who've been leading on the affordability file. You've, of course, just met our Minister of Affordability and Utilities, Matt Jones. We also have our Minister of Children's Services, Mickey Amory, here today, as well as our Minister for Seniors, Community and Social Supports, Jeremy Nixon, and you'll be hearing about uh, from him shortly. I'd like to start by thanking everyone at Goodwill for hosting us today. Um, and I would also like to thank Karen Olivier of Closer to Home Community Services, Karen McDonald of Sage Seniors Association, jo Joy Bonaire of the Alex, and Leah and Tasha, uh, Tasha McCrory for joining us today as we unveil new measures to help Albertans cope with dramatic increases in the cost of living. As we all know, our province is facing an affordability crisis, and whether it's the price of fuel, electricity, or groceries, the cost of everything Albertans need to live has soared. Many people are struggling to put food on the table, keep a roof over their heads, and cover necessities like electricity. These are painful choices that no one should have to make. We will try to ensure that they don't have to. While the root causes of the affordability crisis lie outside Alberta's control, our government can and will help Albertans weather the storm. Our focus is on areas where we can take quick, effective action to help Albertans with the rising cost of living. Nowhere is the need for help more urgent than for those on fixed incomes. Albertans like low-income seniors and age recipients have limited flexibility to adapt to price increases. And right now, they're being steadily squeezed as inflation continu continues to eat away at their spending power. They need a cushion to absorb the worst effects of high prices. And I'm happy to announce that as part of our government's affordability action plan, we will provide one. Starting with January of payments, age income support and Alberta seniors' benefit rates will rise by 6%. This increase will extend to other benefits that provide emergency assistance for things like food, clothing, shelter, and transportation. Additionally, starting in February of 2023, the, four, the quarterly payments for the Alberta Child and Family Benefit will also increase by 6%. And we won't stop here. Each one of these programs will see rates indexed to inflation so that payouts keep pace with the surging cost of living. Albertans who receive Asian income support benefits will see the extra money before Christmas. Seniors benefit recipients will get the increase in their first payments about a month later, near the end of January. And low-income families will receive extra money starting in February with their first quarterly Alberta Child and Family Benefit Payment for 2023. These are the latest in a series of measures our government has and will continue to introduce in response to the affordability crisis. Direct payments, utility rebates, 
the cancellation of the fuel tax and higher funding for food banks will help the hardest hit Albertans cope with tough times. And more support is on the way through the uh, Inflation Relief Act that we will introduce. We will have further announcements in the weeks ahead because affordability is our government's top priority. It has to be. No one can enjoy peace of mind when financial pressure is mounting and they are desperately trying to make ends meet. This is the kind of crisis that can tear apart families, take a toll on seniors' health, and harm children. Every Albertan deserves better than that. Every Albertan deserves to be free from the stress of wondering how they're going to make rent or how they're going to keep their kids fed. These are difficult circumstances for many people, but Alberta is strong. Our economy has real momentum behind it. And so long as the affordability crisis lasts, our government will be in Albertans' corner, ensuring families and the most vulnerable members of society have what they need to get by. I want everyone who's in a rough spot to know. You are not alone. We will get through the worst of the situation together because Albertans take care of each other. Our government is ready with help, and you can count on us to continue to move uh, and move fast as things change. My cabinet colleagues have more information to share about today's announcement, so I'm going to turn things over now to Minister Jeremy Nixon. Thank you, uh, Premier, and uh, what an honour uh, to be able to be here today uh, for this great announcement. Uh, an honour to be here with my colleagues, uh, Minister Jones, as well as Minister Amory, and of course, our Premier, uh, Premier Smith. Um, it's also a great privilege for me uh, to be able to be here with this announcement today with many of our community partners and uh, long-time advocates for Alberta's most vulnerable. And, uh, you know, just so humbled uh, by their work and an opportunity to be here with you guys today. And uh, as well as ins inspirational members of the community um, that are here and have been long advocates as well for the community. So thank you, everyone, for being here today to be a part of this, this great announcement. I'd also like to thank Goodwill uh, for hosting us here today. Um, their long work in providing opportunities for Albertans with disabilities uh, has helped enhance the lives of Albertans. And we are excited to be able to do here uh, to do the same here today with this announcement. This announcement is going to put more money into the pockets of Albertans, and uh, I think that's an expectation of Albertans that we work as a community to help care for our most vulnerable. And uh, so I'm happy to be able to be here and be a part of that. Cost of living has reached unaffordable prices for many Albertans, especially for those on fixed incomes. Those that rely on social programs such as AISH, income support, senior benefits, and even Alberta child and family benefits have been hurt by inflation more than most. Personally, I've long been an advocate of indexing AISH. Uh, since my beginning of my career working at the Mustard Seed, Canadian Mental Health Association, and other organizations, I've seen the impact of increasing costs of inflation on people that rely on these services. As uh, inflation goes up... Um, cost of life becomes uh, increasingly unaffordable, and then they get a bump, and then it happens again. So by indexing AISH, we're going to be able to address that as we move forward. Alberta's, Albertans receiving benefits will automatically see an increase on their January 2023 payments. For AISH and income support, payments will be distributed on December 22nd, just in time for Christmas. Recipients of Alberta senior benefits will see their increase reflected on their payments in January. Those that receive the Alberta Child and Family Benefits will see an increase 
rate applied to their first quarterly payments in February. The 6% increase in indexing is based on the consumer price index for 2022 to account for the period in which we saw the largest increase in inflation. These measures are much needed and they are critical in ensuring the long-term financial stability for many Albertans. Going forward, we will continue to do what we can to help Albertans, help Albertans in need. Now, I'm uh, delighted to be able to invite up an inspirational young woman that I just had the pleasure of meeting, but I've also been able to meet with her mother, who's been a strong advocate and a long-time voice for d disabled Albertans. So please uh, join me in welcoming Tasia. I'd now like to invite up, actually, first of all, thank you, Tasha, for, for that. And uh, I'd like to invite up uh, Leah McCrory, who's been a great advocate and mother to Tasia and uh, an amazing support and uh, an inspiration to me. So please come on up, Leah. Thank you, Minister Nixon, for the warm welcome. And of course, to everybody here, it's um, an exciting morning for all of us. Mostly, thank you to the Premier. I'm pleased Premier Smith re-indexed age, income supports, and senior supports. Our daughter, Tasia, is one of the thousands of citizens that need age. Tasia and I meet and speak with many people in the disability community, and we were hearing and also experiencing a loss of hope. People were discouraged. 
People with disabilities felt when age was de-indexed that life was just going to be more challenging, more difficult, harder to get food on their tables, and meet the needs that they really need. But since Premier Smith wrote a mandate letter to index age, Teja and I are hearing from people with disabilities who say, again, they are feeling hopeful. It makes them feel easier to smile. And some, they were so incredibly hopeful, had happy tears. And that should speak volumes to a lot of us. Because hope is very powerful. Our family is certain we are not alone thanking the Premier for serving up some hope for the disabled community. Thank you for the opportunity to come and say thank you to the Premier, and mostly, um, thanks, Tasia. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> thank you, and I would like to introduce Joy Bowen Iyer from the Alex to speak next, please. Good afternoon. Thank you very much, Premier Smith, Minister Nixon, uh, fellow colleagues in the social sector. The affordability crisis is one that impacts all Albertans, but especially the most vulnerable. Those receiving Alberta Works and assured income for the severely handicapped, age are at higher risk of living in poverty. Many who qualify for these supports have struggled to make ends meet, drastically impacting their quality of life. These are the vulnerable Albertans with complex health, mental health, and addiction issues, who without the additional support can cause significant strain on our public systems. For many of these citizens, the crisis didn't start in the last three months. While the affordable crisis is only now impacting the everyday lives of all Albertans, the rising inflation has been impacting our most vulnerable for almost a decade. Each day, more expensive than the last, with fiscal barriers at every corner. While all levels of government have a responsibility to ensure that Alberta's most vulnerable have the supports required to navigate these challenging times, the government of Alberta's decision to re-index these critical social programs is an important step to support vulnerable Albertans. Putting funds into the pockets of vulnerable Albertans for everyday essentials starts to minimize these barriers. Vulnerable people who require access to affordable housing often have complex challenges, reducing their quality of life while also causing significant strain. We look forward to continuing to work with the government of Alberta to ensure our most vulnerable get the support and care they truly deserve, particularly as the growing affordability crisis is lending itself to growing numbers of Albertans finding themselves in greater need of financial support and look into these programs where applicable. Throughout the varied and critical services provided by the Alex in Calgary and our colleagues in the human services sector and alongside this government, we'll continue to identify and address the remaining barriers. I would now like to call upon Karen McDonald from Sage Seniors Association. Thank you. Thank you, Premier, Ministers. Tasia, thanks for the inspiration. I need some work on my uh, speech writing here. Public policy has real impact on people's lives, 
a senior who's using the food bank or a senior who is not taking their medication every day because of difficult decisions between the cost of medication and their rent or food is now in a far better position to manage the cost of their medication or to not rely on the food bank regularly for their basic food needs because of this policy change. This, of course, has an impact on things like our healthcare system and other public systems because ultimately nutrition and medication are key aspects of our health and well-being. But more than that, it has an impact on a senior's dignity, their feeling of belonging in their community, and that chronic day-to-day -day anxiety about how to manage the most basic things we all need to live. Imagine spending your senior years feeling that, feeling that weight every day. Now imagine that seniors' basic needs are being met because their financial benefits now better reflect the cost of living, and they're feeling well enough to make their way to maybe a senior center or to their mosque to connect with others, to stay active, and to make those emotional connections that make life meaningful. Something that is only possible when our basic needs are met. Today's policy decision by the government of Alberta to index financial benefits to reflect the cost of living will help to ensure that low-income seniors in Alberta are better able to meet their most basic needs. This is a policy decision that has real impact on the lives of people that are at risk of significant vulnerability when the cost of living increases. Thank you. I'd now like to introduce Karen Olivier from Closer to Home Community Services. Thank you, Premier and Minister Emery, for inviting me today to speak to all of you. Um, I'm, so my role here is to talk a little bit about the Alberta Child and Family Benefit Increase. And I work in a Calgary agency that supports children and families by delivering community programs and family services to help families break free from cycles of poverty, isolation, and trauma. We focus on building family resilience and capacity, addressing youth mental health needs, family homelessness, and providing affordable housing and in-care programs for children and youth. And I say that to tell you that through our work, we are seeing parents struggling to, meet, to make ends meet every single day meaning that more often than not, parents and caregivers are making desperate decisions about whether to pay the rent or utilities and worrying each day about running short on food for their children. It is heartbreaking to see the issues related to poverty become all-consuming for families. They are truly in survival mode. Alberta's most vulnerable families cannot make their dollars stretch any further, and as the cost of living continues to rise, it is essential that the Alberta government steps in to support the families who need it most. And that's what they've done. The 6% increase to Alberta children and the family benefit is happening at a critical time and will very much benefit those who need it most. This increase will provide vulnerable families across Alberta with additional financial support so that hopefully they do not have to choose between food and heat and it can provide their children with a better quality of life, support their overall well-being, and give them equal opportunities. But the work and the changes that are needed do not stop here. Closer to home, along with agencies province-wide that support and serve and support children and youth and families every day in Alberta, and working closely with the government ministries, are committed to advocating and ensuring that all families are provided with the resources and supports they need to thrive and achieve their full potential. Thank you.
All right, thanks everybody. That concludes a great announcement. Thank you for everybody for being here. We're going to start with questions on the floor first. One question, one follow-up. Uh, if you're on the floor, let's stick to on-topic questions first, and then we'll go to everybody else's requests, and we'll go to the, the phone line. So uh, go ahead if you have a question on the floor. Hey there. It's working. There we go. Uh, just This is for uh, Danielle Smith. Why was this such a priority for you this early in your leadership? And what do you say to the NDP essentially saying that this is making up for Jason Kenney's mistakes? When on the other side, I, you know, I spoke with Leah, who says this is the first time they've seen any money or any kind of hope in the last six years related to this this program and whatnot? Do you want to answer first? Sure. Sorry, uh, ask the question again. I apologize. Yeah, no problem. Uh, why was this, it's for Smith, but uh, why was this a top priority, you know, this early in the leadership? And what do you say to the NDP's comments about that this is essentially making up for Jason Kenney's mistakes in regards to indexing, re-indexing and whatnot? Sure. Uh, well, I think three and a half years ago, we found ourselves in a very difficult financial position. Uh, we were in a structural deficit, and uh, we were on our way to over $100 billion in debt. And so the government three and a half years ago had to make decisions in order to make sure that we protected the long-term viability of these programs. We're now seeing record inflation and this, this uh, crisis in the community around affordability. Uh, so this is, this is a must-do now. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I was a long-time advocate of indexing of age, so I'm very happy to see it put forward and, uh, and looking forward to seeing it continue. We had a really robust caucus discussion when we went on our retreat, and I took the advice of my caucus about what it is we needed to address as our priority issues. I had also heard about issues of affordability on the campaign trail, as had all the other leadership candidates. And so with the fortunes turning, because the same issues that are driving inflation are also driving more revenues into our into our. Um, uh, government, uh, our government treasury, and it seems like we need to have that balance. So yes, we are party of fiscal conservatism, which is why we've made a substantial payment on the debt, but we, we felt like we had to address these issues because they're coming up over and over again. Seniors are hurting, families are hurting, and those uh, who are on our support payments are hurting. And so this is the, the reason why we wanted to make sure we could act quickly to address these issues as we get into the winter season, because not only are we having the cost pressures associated with um, medicines, with food affordability, but now we're getting into the winter season with spiking electricity bills, spiking home heating bills, greater usage, uh, obviously more people driving um, to activities and things with the cost of diesel and gasoline. We wanted to make sure we had a whole package that was going to hit at the precise moment when so many families are seeing a, an increase. That's why it was a, a priority to make sure we dealt with it this winter season. And just while you're up here, I only have one follow-up question. The government of the House, or the government House leader says that amending the Alberta Human Rights Act to include vaccination status is no longer a priority, and all questions were deferred to you. So just some <laughs> thoughts on that. Well, it's a, it's a huge priority for me to make sure that we have a proper pandemic planning response for next time. And as we were going through, again, getting caucus feedback, just making one amendment to one bill was not going to protect uh, the rights and freedoms of citizens next time around. So we realized it had to be a much broader review of legislation, probably much broader changes. And so I'm working on a, a process I'll tell you about very shortly so that we can make sure we do that full review. The, the 
the point of looking backwards is to make decisions that will help us going forward. And so it is very much a priority for me to do it, but I, I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to make a, uh, a change that wasn't going to address the problem in the future. And so that's the reason why we decided that uh, we, ha we have to look at a broader suite of reforms. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Um, anybody else on the floor? Bonjour. Uh, my question will be either to Mr. Nistern or the Premier. Uh, I wanted to know what happens to that indexing if inflation goes up or down on, in the long term. For sure. So uh, we've tied it to CPI. So as inflation goes up, age payments will, will increase and senior benefits as well as uh, income support will increase tied to what CPI is. Uh, they won't go down. So um, if, if CPI is zero or negative, um, they maintain. And then when inflation goes up, they go up with inflation. And I guess, what would you say to the people that might be scared of seeing that index and being scrapped like it was in 2019? Sure. Well, again, if I'm social services minister, I will be continue to be an advocate for indexing and keeping H and other supports indexed. I think it's critical, uh, as I've seen that in my own work experience and in my own personal experience. Uh, question for the Premier. Just to follow up on the unvaccinated protections, if it's not coming uh, this upcoming session, do, we, do you have a timeline on when we can expect those uh, to be introduced? I, I'm in the process now of identifying individuals who might be able to assist with that legislative review. And so once I've established that, I'll, I'll make sure that we have the full terms of reference as well as the legislation that we're looking at. It's, it's, it's not going to be that long. It'll be a matter of weeks, not a matter of months that I'll make sure that we um, announce that pathway forward. But the, the issue was that just trying to change one um, piece of one act was not going to solve the problem uh, that we encountered over this this past two and a half years. And I want to make sure that when we come through with a new pandemic planning um, uh, proposal and a new pandemic plan, that we're addressing all of the, the problems that we saw in existing legislation. And uh, in your TV address last week, you said you have made mistakes and you've uh, taken controversial opinions uh, many in which have evolved. Can you be specific about those mistakes and uh, how you're learning from them? Can you be specific about what you'd like to ask me about? Just, well, just announce some of the mistakes you were referring to. If you've got an example, please. I, I, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I'm asking you for an example. <laughs> well, I'm asking the, what would you were, would have been referring to. Well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, looking at the issues as they come up today. I've got a new job and I'm going to make sure that every issue that comes forward uh, goes through my caucus and my cabinet so that we've got consensus as a, a party on how to move forward on things. And so that's uh, that's just the process that we go through. I have a different job now, and that's what I'm going to do. All right, let's head to the phone lines. Operator, the first caller, please. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, good afternoon. This is a question for uh, Premier Smith, um, and I will have a supplemental. But uh, the first question is about the affordability package. I know you can't give us precise details because those decisions haven't been made. So I do understand that. This is this is the first, um, if you want to call it installment, or the first look uh, of, uh, of this plan. But both yourself and uh, your affordability minister have, sa have said there is more coming. Uh, your affordability minister mentioned perhaps something to deal with insurance costs, perhaps housing costs perhaps post-secondary costs. Others might also ask about 
perhaps cash payments a la the ones that were given to some people, given to perhaps single people or childless couples of modest means who do not qualify for the very low income programs, but are not at the high end either. So could you please tell us, because you've said you understand the difficult circumstances of every Albertan in this inflationary time, just give us a little bit more detail or a little bit more indication of is there more coming and what are the kinds of things you're looking at? Uh, thank you for the question. This, uh, the Affordability Action Plan. This is for Premier Smith. Uh, thank you. The Affordability Action Plan and the Inflation Relief Act is our immediate response to heightened cost of living driven by record inflation. And it hits the vast majority of Albertan households. Uh, to put a number on that, the average Albertan household with or without children, with or without seniors, and including low-income and disabled Albertan households, will receive broad-based supports of up to $900 or more. That, and then in addition to that, as the cost of living and inflation crisis has persisted, we are going to target additional supports to those who need it the most. Families with children, more mouths to feed, uh, uh, seniors on fixed incomes, and vulnerable Albertans with lower incomes and also on fixed incomes. But our work, does, our work on affordability will not stop there. We are looking across government to find ways to make life more affordable for Albertans now and into the future. And yes, we are looking across the board. That's post-secondary, that's housing, that's insurance. It's everything because we know that Albertans need help now and into the future. Thank you. And just to follow up on um, on what the minister said, I mean, part of the reason why I um, asked Matt Jones to be the minister of affordability and utilities is to give him a very broad reach to go across different ministries to identify problems so that he can resolve them. So very soon you're going to see more on electricity. Um, we all know we've got big problems with the cost of distribution and transmission. Um, he has also identified for me that we need to uh, look at issues of increases in auto and property insurance. Um, we also know housing affordability is going to be a big problem, especially as interest rates rise. So he's uh, flagged that for me as an er issue to look into. We've also looked at how we might be able to change the, uh, or improve the child care proposal so that it includes more uh, private daycares. That's one of the things that was missing. So that includes more families able to get that, that support. Um, so I must tell you, like this minister is coming up with new ideas every day. Obviously the issue around post-secondary and how we might be able to do some kind of relief on student loans. We have to figure out how we would structure that. So we're open to hearing any suggestion from Albertans about ways that we can address those pressure points. Those are, those are just a handful of the ones that, that we are looking at. And if, uh, Albertans come up with other areas that they think that we've missed or that we need to provide more targeted support. We're absolutely open to doing that. We wanted to make sure that we had something that we could put into place this fall session so people could start receiving support right away. And that's, uh, as Minister Jones has said, this is sort of the, the first step uh, as well. Those who did, aren't getting direct payments are still going to, to benefit from about $900 worth of relief on the gas price guarantee as well as the electricity rebates, as well as the the, the uh, suspension of the gasoline and, and diesel taxes. So we're we're hoping to, that that provides enough support. But if it doesn't, we're we're prepared to to look at it again for more. And, and uh, so I just want to uh, I, the last couple of sentences you spoke. If if you just so I'm clear on it, I want to be absolutely clear. Um, 
because one of the things I asked about was possible cash payments. I don't know if it has to be $600. I don't know if the threshold has to be 180000 if a person is single or if they have no children. It may not be that amount. But are you definitely, you haven't made a decision, but are you definitely ruling out that as one of the possible areas to look at? And this question is, again, for the Premier. I'm not, are, you, are you open to at least looking at that, or is that door closed? I'm not ruling it out, but I, I, I do also want to make sure that we're addressing a, a vital need. I, this, this is not about giving dollars to every single Albertan. That's been done in the past. It's done in other jurisdictions. But what we have heard is that people want targeted support to those most in need, because when you target support, you can give a higher level of support support and it goes a lot further. So I am open to hearing any suggestions for, for how we might target more support. If that includes additional cash payments, we certainly are open to that. But I, I think there isn't really an appetite for us to, to just be giving money to, to people who don't really need it. I, what I am hearing is that we need to focus the support for those who really do need it. And that was the intention of the, the first announcements that we made. All right, operator, next caller, please. Karen Levitt, Toronto Star. Hi, this question's for the Premier. Thanks for taking uh, this one. Um, you you are probably aware that there are going to be some of your supporters who see this as a climb down when it comes to the Human Rights Act uh, reforms that you've spoken about. Um, I just want to know, like, these are people who you refer to as the most discriminated against people you've ever seen in your entire life. Why not bring that change in right away? to address some of that, that discrimination that, that you colorfully explained was so dire, um, and then perhaps do some uh, bigger sweep later on down the road. I just want to know what your explanation would be if you were sitting across the table from, from one of these unvaccinated people right now. We, we always said it would be on a go-forward basis, and I guess I'm, I'm seeing that there's a lot of responsible employers who are rescinding vaccine mandates and a lot of responsible uh, vendors who are not discriminating against their customers, and I'm glad to see that. I, in fact, if there is still discrimination, I'd like to know about it, because um, and people should contact their MLAs because we want to make sure that we're creating an environment where no one is discriminated against in this province for any reason. And so my sense of where we're at right now in Alberta is that um, m most employers have made the responsible decision to not discriminate against their workers, and I'm glad to see that. And so the question becomes, what happens next time? Next time there's a, a novel virus. And when we're passing legislation, we have to make sure that we're passing it that's going to be able to stand the test of time for future issues rather than trying to relitigate ones in the past. If, if this is one that is, by and large, one where we're no longer seeing discrimination. I'm pleased with that. I'm I'm prepared to make uh, make changes if if uh, there are case by case issues. But I think the bigger issue that that the people who supported me are asking for is how do we ensure that we have a proper pandemic plan so that this doesn't happen again. And if just making this one change to this one piece of legislation isn't going to be adequate, that's what I determine. We are, we're going to have to make probably substantive changes to a number of pieces of legislation. And so I didn't want to do this as I got deeper into the discussion with my caucus, didn't want to do this as a bit of a, a slapdash measure. I want to make sure that we're solving this problem for the future. So there'll be more to come.
And I think our, I think my supporters will understand why it is that I've made these decisions once they, they see the approach that we're taking. In addition, I would say um, my, my supporters wanted to see us change the leadership in the um, uh, chief medical officer of health. I did. They wanted me to make sure that we were addressing the foundational problem for why it is that we were proposed these restrictions in the first place, which was uh, the management at Alberta Health Services, which was incapable of dealing with surge capacity. And I uh, have asked the board to step aside and put in place an official administrator, and we are actively working on that file. So I I think people understand that there's a lot of different ways that we have to address some of the things that went wrong over the last two and a half years. And uh, what I proposed was not not going to be sufficient, so I need to do something more fulsome. Karen, do you have a follow-up? I do. Uh, thank you for that. This question is for Minister Nixon. Um, you said today that you were always in favor of indexing H, and um, I think that's the first I've heard you say that uh, in public anyway, and I just want to get your side of what happened over the last three years where we saw in 2019 that this was de-indexed and that it was consistently, it it remains so. Um, What were you saying in caucus at that time? Where was your opposition to that move? So I supported the government in 2019 in regards to its efforts to get our financial house in order. Uh, As I said, we were in a structural deficit. Uh, We were running upwards uh, to $100 billion in debt. And uh, we were putting at risk the long-term viability of not only our age program, but numerous programs and the sustainability of this province going forward. So uh, the conversation I had at that time uh, was um, with the finance minister and the understanding that when we, when we got back in balance, when we got back to a good financial position, we would look at unpausing uh, age uh, indexing and, uh, and other benefits. All right, operator, can you please put the last caller through? Michelle Belfontaine, CBC. Uh, oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Um, this is a question for Premier Smith. Um, you just talked about when you were asked about uh, taking a pause or looking ahead to the next pandemic for the human rights legislation in terms of the uh, people who are not vaccinated and prevented from being discriminated. You said that you might look at it on, a, at it on a case-by-case basis. Uh, you said that just now. So what do you mean by that? What could you do on a case-by-case basis if somebody said to you, yeah, I'm uh, being discriminated against my, uh, by, by my employer uh, because I'm not vaccinated? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm calling people who, I've, when I hear these instances, there was a, an instance where, um, uh, for instance, the Arctic Winter Games wanted $1.2 million from us to support their effort and they were discriminating against the athletes telling them they had to be vaccinated so we asked them if they would reconsider their vaccination policy in the light of new evidence and they did and i was pleased uh, to see that uh there is a, a film set that i have heard is discriminating against his hairdressers and so i've asked my minister to give them a phone call those are the kind of things that we'll do we just want to remind people that in this province we do not discriminate against people for any reason and that now that we know a lot more about this virus, that we would like them to address their policies and bring them up to speed with what the environment is here that we are trying to create, which is a welcoming environment that will accept people from all backgrounds in all occupations, and we don't want to have any discrimination for any cause. So I'm quite prepared to make those phone calls and have my ministers make those phone calls if there's other examples. Michelle. So, okay, so you're, you're saying that 
the government will withhold funding to organizations that uh, want to uphold their own vaccine mandates. So what if it's a, what if it's a business that doesn't receive any government funding? What will you do then? I'll, I'll still call them and ask them if they would reconsider their policy. Because I know that uh, in the past, when vaccine mandates were coming in, politicians made proactive effort to call them to ask them to bring in vaccine mandates. So I, I think if, uh, if I've taken a different turn because I've got a different mandate, then I'm going to be asking employers not to discriminate against their workers and not to discriminate against their customers. I think people ex- expect from me to uphold the, uh, the charter rights and freedoms of our, of our citizens. It's part of the reason I think I got elected. And so if I can achieve the outcome that I'm looking for a different way, then I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. We, we do not want discrimination in our province. I don't know if I could be more clear than that. And this is one of those areas where I'm very pleased that most employers don't discriminate any longer against their employees or their customers. And I would like to make sure that uh, in very short order, we end up with a situation where no one is discriminated against. That's, that's something that we should all be wanting. And it's something that we've all been fighting for in this province ever since the first Human Rights Act came in, ever since the Charter of Rights and Freedoms came in. It means something. And in this province, we're not going to discriminate. Thanks, everybody. That concludes our presentation.